Well, good morning and welcome to the drive. It's September 4th on a Monday at 6.40 in the morning. And I hope you guys had a good weekend. Um, this last Sunday, uh, yesterday, I mean, we had service. And I hardly ever do topical sermons. I just do, we just go, Calvary Chapel, we go verse by verse, chapter by chapter, book by book. But a few, I'll do a few topical sermons and messages throughout the year. Um, and I did one yesterday morning because it was our six-year church anniversary. And so we were really celebrating. And I really wanted to go over sort of the origins of how we started and um, how we got to where we are now and the ways in which God is faithful. And that's really what we talked about. We talked about the church planning journey um, here to the Deep South, but then also the main thing is God's faithful. You know, God's faithfulness is the thread that runs through um, our lives, right? And same is true for the work that he's doing in Calvary Chapel. So it was a, an emotional day. It really was because this whole last week, my wife and I were um, going over pictures and videos and of the last six years of our church since it started in 2017, September. And so uh, it's kind of been emotional. It kind of came to the apex Sunday morning when I was driving to work. I'm sorry, to church. And I had uh, one of my daughters with me, my youngest daughter, and I just was a mess. I was just, I was literally like crying all the way to church, thinking about God's faithfulness. And uh, it's sort of a build up all week. And then I was like, man. So then we got to church, you know. Um, got everything ready and then uh, just they prayed for me because I was like I'm a wreck I don't even know if I could get through this verbally but but praise the Lord he got me through I was able to share show pictures um, afterwards we had a potluck and showed a half hour video half hour condensed of six years um, so it was like a quick bunch of pictures and videos that we put that my wife put together um, and then we had a time of sharing which was another hour of sharing and crying and praising God and so it was like a amazing blessing and also totally draining but in a it was worth it in a good way you know it's like thank you Lord for your faithfulness something I never want to forget and if I take that for granted then um, I want the Lord to convict me so I can repent of it and be and be grateful cultivate a heart of gratefulness because God is always always good he's always working he's always moving so, I mean, he's done so much for us. And really, that's what we see in Galatians chapter 3 this morning, verse 13 and 14. I'm going to read it before I start driving here. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. And so just starting with redemption like that that word i mean to do a word study on redemption is an exciting thing there's so many implications there and redemption is so important because really we're talking about the thread of god's faithfulness within our church plant well with humanity the thread that runs through the whole bible you know from genesis to revelation all 66 books of the bible is the thread of redemption it's, it's all about redeeming a fallen people that couldn't pay the debt of sin themselves. They needed a sacrifice. The whole Old Testament they gave, uh, they sacrificed over and over to atone for their sins. Which atone, it means to cover, 
right? I mean, atonement has the idea of um, covering, not eradicating. Now, that happened under the new covenant, under Jesus, the perfect Lamb of God, who died for our sin, and then expiation happened, propitiation happened. Expiation means the eradication of sin. Propitiation means he took our place. We should have died on that cross. But like Paul says in Galatians, he, Jesus became a curse for us. And that, <coughs> that is something I think about and we revisit, we remember, especially as we take communion and all. It's like, he became a curse for us. That is the reality. But that's kind of mind-blowing for me. It's kind of hard to fully comprehend. I mean, obviously, we're feeble, limited humans, right? I mean, we cannot understand everything when it comes to the things of the Lord. Do we understand a lot? Absolutely. God gave us so much truth to be able to delve into that will keep us busy the rest of our lives. But there are a lot of things as well that are hard to comprehend because we're human. God is limitless. We're limited. And that's okay. That's what says he's set apart. He's unique. He's holy. He's uncreated. He's immutable. You know, all those theological terms. It's just true, though. Like, He is God and we are not. People want to understand everything about God. And then again, you can understand so much. It's a lifelong process of as you read the Word, you get God's heart. You understand His attributes. You understand how we are called to live as children of God and all. But there's still stuff that it's like, I don't, I'm, I don't get it. I'm not going to get that until heaven because I'm not God. <laughs> There's only one God, the God of the Word. But the fact that Jesus became a curse for us, he took, he absorbed our sins upon that cross. Like he died for you. Now we often, we often say he died for us. And that's true. But we got to remember that individually, he looked at, like he knew you, he, he, before he knit you in your mother's womb, like, he died for you. He had you in mind when you went to that cross, and it's like, wow. <laughs> you know, he took our sin upon himself so that we could be forgiven, so that atonement could happen. Atonement has the idea of mercy and forgiveness, and... What's kind of cool is that, uh, you know, I'm going through a, a few different books of the Bible in the mornings during my Bible time, and and I, uh, I love the picture of Noah. And the ark is really a picture of, it's a type of Christ, because if you think about it, in order to make the, uh, the ark, they had to use pitch. And pitch in the Hebrew is kopar, or kapar, K-A-P-A-R, and then going back to the origins of that word it's kopar which is in hebrew and it means atonement and so they made the ark with pitch which signifies atonement which is mercy and forgiveness and they told noah and his family right his noah uh, uh the eight people that went in the ark noah's wife and the kids and go into the ark now he he had to build the ark right of wood and all but then he had to just go in to the ark in order to be safe and saved. 
And so when you think about that, Noah, you know, Noah and the ark going inside, it's just going inside the ark, which is made of wood. It's kind of like the type, it looks ahead to Christ and the cross, you know, Noah didn't have to, Noah and his family didn't have to work to be saved from that, from drowning, from that awesome, you know, awful storm. They just had to go inside the ark. They just had to go in and it's kind of like, well, in the new covenant, we're in Christ. And so we're safe and we're saved and there's mercy and there's forgiveness. And so the ark really is a type of the, the cross. And it's the type of, it's a type of Christ. It's about atonement. And I love that the pitch, that's exactly what it was made with. And the meaning is mind blowing. It's, it's awesome. Like this was foretold prophecy, you know, you know, biblical prophecy. One third of the Bible is, is prophecy. So if we ignore prophecy, we're going to have to throw away one third of the Bible. I'm, I'm definitely not willing to do that ever because every word of God is pure, like it says of itself. But atonement, he took our place, he became a curse. You know, he did the work and we just go in and we're saved and we're saved. We didn't have to, you know, no one in his family didn't have to go into the ark and then work in order to stay saved. As they were in the ark, they were safe from the storms. They were safe from the this. The repercussions of sin. They are forgiven, justified. And so Jesus became a curse so that people could be saved. And mentions he mentions the Gentiles. It's not just one people group who the Lord Jesus saves. Whoever, the Bible is very clear, whoever calls on the name of the Lord might be saved. No, it doesn't say that. It says, will be saved. It's emphatic. It's for sure. It's exactly how it happens. Like if you call upon the name of the Lord, confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, Jesus died and rose again, guess what? Saved. Now evidence of that is fruit being born from your life fruit being born right John 15 and like James says faith without works is dead as we're saved by grace through faith it's like now we're set to work now we get to do work the work of the Lord now we know what life is about and so as we're working for him having our hands on the plow shining his lights to him in this community in this world that's evidence that, yep, that person knows the Lord. Yep, they're born again. Yep, they know Jesus, no doubt. Because fruit is being born from their lives. That's how God designed it. It's a beautiful thing. But I just, I get overwhelmed when I think about the fact that Jesus actually became a curse for us. Too. I mean, our sin is hard enough to deal with, our own sin. And and Jesus took the sin of the whole world upon himself. The perfect lamb that was slain. He bled from seven places, the number of perfection. From his feet. From his hands. From his back. From his forehead. 
from his side seven places Jesus bled the blood poured out the perfect lamb of God sacrificed for the sins of the world I mean if that doesn't blow your mind I don't think anything will then apathy is setting it because that is amazing <laughs> that astounds me that blesses me that opens my eyes that makes me just want to praise and worship him just thinking about that and so let's be grateful today that there's no partiality with God. That he's not like, you know what, I just want to save the Jews. They're the, you know, they're my chosen people. Gentiles, nah, nah, no thanks. These people, no. No, I don't like them. No. <laughs> Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. No one is beyond salvation. I, I don't ever while we have while I have breath in my lungs, I do not ever want to lose hope that someone can be saved. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I go, this I don't know if they can be saved. But when I think about that, I think, no. There's still hope. They're alive. They have time. They have breath in their lungs. They could still come to the Lord. Keep praying for people that don't know the Lord, that aren't walking with Him. Keep praying for people that maybe are backslidden or are confused about their faith when they once were strong. Keep praying for them. Whoever came to your mind right now, it's not to think bad about them. It's to pray for them because there's still hope. God still wants to do work. He tarries because there's still more to be saved. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. Hey, I hope you have an amazing Monday and a good Labor Day. Hopefully, hopefully you have the day off. And uh, take care, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.